green pastures. I know you're picturing lush fields of belly deep alfalfa as far as the eye can see. Well, get that picture out of your mind. Instead, see clumps of green along the arid landscape of the Negev Desert in Israel. That's more the biblical reality. And that's what our heart is for our weekly Green Pastures devotions published by Vineyard Boise. Our hope is that each day you'll find a wee clump of green along the all-too-often arid landscape of life, just enough to sustain you, to keep you moving forward. Each daily devotion consists of four strands, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. May the Lord lead us together into the green pastures we need today to continue growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Green Pastures for Monday, October 2nd. Make sure this letter gets read. Today's scripture reading is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 26 and 27 from the Message Translation, which reads, Greet all the followers of Jesus there with a holy embrace. And make sure this letter gets read to all the brothers and sisters. Don't leave anyone out. This is God's Word. Once again, the three of them gathered in Paul's quarters, Timothy and Epaphroditus and their usual places on the pallet, Paul perched on his stool or pacing in manic fashion around the room. To the secret delight of the two seated on the floor, Paul was displaying the full range of idiosyncrasies that made up the Apostles' legend. The tilted walk, the waving hands, the voice that started low but rose in volume and pitch as he grew more excited, the pauses to straighten his back, the open palm rested on his bald pate. Each of them had seen friends of Paul mimic these mannerisms to the howling delight of the audiences that knew Paul well. But never when Paul was present. Now all the two of them could do was watch with glowing eyes while hiding smiles behind their hands. Later this afternoon, we will get to the actual writing. Timothy, I want you to be my amanuensis. All right, footnote. Amanuensis is from the Latin and means literally a slave to writing, a.k.a. A secretary. Epaphroditus, you'll be reading this letter to the Philippians. They will have questions for you and will depend on you for answers. So I want you here while I dictate to Timothy, and I want you to understand what I'm writing and why. Any questions? Both of them shook no from behind their hands. Very well. Let me talk through the main ideas we need to address. This again is from Tim Woodruff's book, A Distant Presence, in which he imagines the narrative behind this letter to the Philippians. As we get into the real content of the letter, having passed through the opening words of introduction and greeting capped off with his prayer over them, it's good to have this scene involving the trio of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus before us. I frequently observe that Paul didn't write this letter into the air, meaning... The letter flows from a particular life setting, or sits in Laban, as we called it last week, if you prefer. Addressing real people with real issues in a real place in real time. Now let's also observe, before diving into the main course of the letter's content, that most New Testament letters were not solo projects, but were rather the product of a community. In this case, the picture trio of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. This can mess with our concept of divine inspiration of Scripture just a bit. 
much as having Jesus practice the Sermon on the Mount with the active collaboration of Matthew does in The Chosen. Clearly, Jesus didn't need to collaborate with anyone else in putting together his talking points in a sermon any more than Paul did with any of his letters. But while we can debate scenes and interpretations in The Chosen, to read Paul's letters carefully is to see that these letters were, in fact, a group effort rather than a solo performance, even as they are meant to be a group effort in the hearing and study of them. Make sure this letter gets read to all the brothers and sisters. Don't leave anyone out, Paul urges the Thessalonians in his first letter to them. These letters issued from a group effort, it's Paul and Timothy, and then of course Epaphroditus prominently figured as Paul commends him to them. That's coming up on page two. These letters issued from a group effort and were meant to be imbibed and digested at a common table rather than consumed in isolated cubicles. So, as we enter into the main content, intentionally and creatively pursue the group context in which this letter is meant to be heard and processed. Friends, don't let friends read alone, people. So, as we pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder, with whom can you read or process this letter to the Philippians? It doesn't need to be a crowd or a formal group, just a trio like that of Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus will do. Where might you find your trio? Lord, Speak to us through the pages of this ancient letter, not just me by myself trying to figure things out, but in the context of my own holy, or maybe not so holy, trio. Give us, together, ears to hear this ode to joy and eyes to see your hand in every unfolding circumstance. Teach us to sing this Philippian song. Teach us its rhythms. Teach us to do more than sing it. Empower us to embody it in our life together. Through your mercies, 